Who here has the best David Lynch impression? Someone tell me the weather. <laughs> it's gonna rain. <laughs> that's that wins it right there. Yeah. I think that's the end of uh, it. That's, that's no contest. I like pie. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Kenrick Block and Johnson Gray, and tonight we're doing a racer head. Let's go. <laughs> Have either of you seen this movie? No. So you no. both have not seen it. Okay. I realized I've actually never seen a David Lynch movie, at least the full way through. Which ones have you seen and then stopped watching? Again, I don't know if it's a case of like just intentionally turning stuff off as much as it'll be on when I'm somewhere and then I'll kind of pay attention for a bit but I just you know it, it, it's so surreal and like I think it's it's definitely a me problem I obviously people love David Lynch but I have a hard time getting on board with the with the super surrealism so wow. I'm looking forward to Eraserhead which I think is just going to be a really grounded down-to-earth um, realistic <laughs> portrayal of life in industrial America and parenting <laughs> yeah yeah um and Kenrick you haven't seen this either I haven't seen it either. Wait, John, have you seen Twin Peaks, though? No. Wow. Okay. Whoa. So this is your Whoa. first full screening of a, Lynch, of, a, of a Dr. David Lynch movie. Absolutely. I, the most I've seen is him when he's... he's a doctor? I, Dr. David. I saw when he guest starred on uh, Louie, but um, we're not allowed to say that name anymore. No, that name's canceled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, he did guest star on... Larry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Eraserhead, 1977. Written, produced, and directed by David Lynch. He also did the sound design and score. I'm really excited to ask this question. What, ha, try and describe the movie to me from what you know about it. If you had to give a, a, a pre-synopsis, what would you think this movie's about? It's Take about it a um, pothead who works at an eraser factory. No, not really. Oh. <laughs> John, you take I, a swing. I um, I already looked at the description online. <laughs> I was gonna try to come up with like a half answer that sounded like maybe I didn't know what it's about, but it's it was pretty vague. It's like a a man walks around um like a, a industrial site or something like that, meeting all these strange creatures, some of which he's related to. Oh, okay. Like, I've seen this movie, I think, maybe twice, maybe three times, and could not give you, like, a coherent plot synopsis because it is really outside the box. And I think you have to interpret a lot of the things that happen in it in your own way. Um, No, I love... I love nothing more than a literal story that just tells me what to think and what to feel. Well, you know what? I, I, I can't give you that with this movie, but I can tell you that it's under 90 minutes. And after our last conversation, that's got to be a blessing for you. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. Yeah. That's John's only criteria for whether or not a film is watchable. <laughs> it's, high, it's highly up there. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. No, it ranks, ranks highly. Um, do you guys know any, like, so John, you haven't really seen any Lynch, but Kenrick, you certainly have. Yes. Um, and this is, you know, his, his first film, essentially. Um, what, what stopped you from watching? So one interesting tidbit I do know about this film is it's Stanley Kubrick's favorite movie, and he thought it was a perfect film. Kubrick's favorite film. And I said his name wrong. 
It's pronounced <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Kubrick's favorite movie, um, hmm. which I find unsurprising because it's like it's it's definitely. Like, I think a lot of people probably don't watch this movie because A, it's hard to follow, and B, it's incredibly pretentious. Um, Perfect. (laughs) I think it's an important movie to watch, especially because it's like, it's certainly not my favorite of Lynch's movies, but it's definitely like an important, like, time stamp in his career. Um, He made this movie when he was going to AFI, the American Film Institute almost as like a thesis project and the script for this film is only 21 pages long and so the institution thought it was going to be like a 20 minute tight short film but in lynch language it turned into a six-year filming process and produced an 89 minute long movie um it premiered at it premiered at the film filmex festival in la and it didn't go well uh i think there were two (laughs) screenings of like under 25 people per screening but then it was immediately moved to cinemas in New York and was a midnight feature and continued to do that for almost three years and ended up grossing $7 million over that time. So a success. It's just like a slow burn success. Wow. I think it's definitely one of those movies, like the definition of a cult movie where it's gotten only more famous and more popular over time. Um, yeah. As opposed to in 77. The movies, the, the big movies in 1977 were Annie Hall, which won Best Picture, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, Saturday Night Fever, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Slap Shots, and I Gotta Call Out My Boy John Waters, Desperate Living. Not his best movie, but still worth mentioning. So good Love Close Encounters. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Like, those are all, like, potential episodes. Like, those are all pretty fucking solid movies. Close Encounters is such a great film. Holds up really well. Yeah, I haven't watched it in forever. Yeah, love Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so this movie stars Jack Nance, who is more iconically known as Pete Martell from Twin Peaks, the guy right. who discovers Laura Palmer's body. Oh, um, spoilers. Well, it happens in the first five minutes of the pilot episode, so I don't think it's a spoiler. Sounds pivotal, though. It's also over 90 minutes long, so you're never going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How long is each episode, though? Like an hour. Oh, 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 and there's like 40-something in just the first two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, for oh. sure. Another um, fun, I guess, like fun fact about Jack Nance is he, he's been married twice, uh, or had been. Ooh. Um, the first time Cookie. was... <laughs> the first time he was married was to the log lady for, no. for eight years. Yeah. Sorry, who? Uh, another. <laughs> uh, the log lady. She's, she's an important uh, character on Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, he has a talking log. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not missing out, I don't think. I don't think this show is meant for me, so I think it's best. I, just I think don't. there's something in there for everybody, but, you know, another time. Sorry, second marriage. So yeah, then he he remarried to uh, Kelly Jean Van Dyke, who's the niece to Dick Van Dyke. Um, mm. She was uh, an actor in the adult film industry and was also well known for a sitcom oh. called My Mother the Car. Have you guys ever heard of My Mother the Car? <laughs> no. Never heard of it. <laughs> there was a time in my life when I was like, uh, it was probably right, right around when I met you, Ken, or just shortly before where 
all I would do is rip bong and watch Happy Days. I got really into Happy Days for a while. And uh, my parents were like super into that show too. And they always told me that I should watch two other shows. One of them was Mr. Ed, which is about a talking horse. And the other is My Mother the Car, which is about a mother who dies and gets reincarnated into the family car. And does she play the car or the, the car mother or the daughter? I think she plays the daughter. Okay. Yeah. But uh, she ended up killing herself within one year of their marriage. And while he was away filming Meatballs 4. That is fucking heavy. Yeah. Super. And then he died in 96 from a subdural hematoma. Fun facts. Fun, yeah, really silly really fun. facts. So there's a character in the film called The Man in the Planet. Um, and he is played by Jack Fisk, who is one of Hall or went on to become yeah. one of Hall. Yeah, he's biggest. a Terrence Malick, uh, his production designer. Exactly. He did all eight of Malick's films, plus mm. There Will Be Blood, The Revenant, mm. Phantom of the Paradise, The Master, Mulholland Drive, and Carrie. Yeah, um, Fisk is a legend. Yeah. And he all pretty average movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he's married to Sissy Spacek, who I assume met, they met on Badlands. And so the two of them, Jack Fisk and Sissy Spacek, were the main financiers of the movie. And Lynch went on to marry Jack Fisk's sister. Right. So it's a very, like, tangled web of the same people that Lynch uses. And, like, he has a lot of regulars, obviously people like Kyle MacLachlan. Um but I think it's really cool that he has the same crew members too. Um, it just like, it makes me think of like the movies that we make and just like recycling the same people because we know they're good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it sounds like he's, he must be doing something right to be able to bring the same people back. Yeah, obviously it did not get any Oscar nominations. It wasn't that kind of movie. Variety calls it a sickening bad taste exercise. New York Times calls calls it Merkley pretentious. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have I, any? That's rich coming from the New York Times. <laughs> Do you guys have any like <laughs> final words or like is there anything that like stands out to you? Like there's like the poster with Jack Dance on it. He's got the great hair. Um, I definitely thought that was Tim Robbins growing up. Um, I I think I would always see it in the video store and was like, nah, that's a wacky Tim Robbins movie. <laughs> Um, where his head is a literal eraser. Is that why he's called eraser head? Is it just, or is there, I guess I'll find out, but is it just that his head, he has the hair of, that looks like a, a pencil head? I don't. We'll find out. I think you're going to find Stay out. Stay tuned. Um, I have seen, I, I should say, like I've seen, I think, um, like a, a scene, and again, I can't tell you like where I was or how long ago it was, but I've seen like the, all I can say is, or call it as like the baby. Um, right. I've seen that, <laughs> but um, that uh, that plays no bearing towards the rest of the film, or towards I guess the the overall film. So this is a comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's a. I would say it's like a rom com. Wow, like in the vein of Notting Hill, kind of like a Richard Curtis, Hugh Grant rom com. More Runaway Bride than Notting Hill, but yeah, you got you get the drift. I love Richard Gere. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have. It's it's hard to like talk about this movie before watching it because it's such a subjective piece that I don't and I don't want to give anything away at all. So unless you guys have like any 
last anecdotes or questions, comments, concerns. I think we should get to it. I have a lot of concerns, but I'll keep them to myself. (laughs) No, I want to hear them. Tell me one. (laughs) No. Will I be bored for the next hour and 20 (laughs) minutes? That's my main concern. To get ourselves a treat, let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished Eraserhead. How do yeah. we feel? Ken? <laughs> I really liked it. I feel great. Um, um, you know, it wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> wow, that was an experience. Um, I would say I, my initial reaction was definitely one of like, I just, uh, I guess feeling like it felt a little played out, but it's also, it was a quick realization that I think Lynch was kind of the pioneer of a lot of that style, um, at least on that kind of a scale. So I think you know, as play as played out as it might seem now, having been to film school and having seen a lot of people try to imitate that style, whether it be in music videos or in their own short films or whatever, um, it may seem a little played out now. I can appreciate, you know, what it was for its time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to make a feature length experimental surrealist piece of art is a bold move. <laughs> um, like, you know, I'm all for surrealist or experimental art, but damn, this was pushing it on the old uh, at least personally for me but again I think I also recognize that that's partly a me problem I mean I I don't totally disagree with you personally um I think you know in some of the notes that I I jotted down um this is certainly an introduction to the world of Lynch and you see so much of the stuff that he takes from this movie and uses like when uh, I don't know what to call her other than like the cheek lady who's in the dress with like the paper mache cheeks yeah she lives in his furnace yeah and and she like disappears very suddenly and that's like uh like a something he uses in twin peaks all the time especially with the character of bob even like that there was like a netted kind of structure on a shelf in his apartment that's very reminiscent of the bum in um, Mulholland Drive in the alleyway scene. Like you can just see a lot of his world starting to form in this movie. So and as he much, had Henry's hairstyle for the rest of his life. Totally. And like, and so as much as I don't personally really like this movie, like it was nice to rewatch it because I haven't watched it in maybe over like a decade. And I do, like you said, I think it is really important because it was um, like a cornerstone in this kind of like, style of filmmaking for america especially um it's definitely not my favorite lynch but i think it is important yeah i totally agree i I feel like it's really cool that you see him trying out all these textures and camera moves and edits like the carpet in the apartment in like the lot the elevator lobby is that not the exact same carpet as twin peaks in the black lodge yeah 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's like, I mean, it's not in red and black because it's not in color, but I assume it's like the same carpet. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I think it's a challenging, weird, kind of uncomfortable film. Um, I do, I really enjoyed, I did not expect there to be so much special effects. I was blown away by the effects from the like moon planet opening thing to the baby itself, to the cheeks girl. Um, yeah, I, I I couldn't help but think of the ending of, of Fire Walk With Me when him and the girl like reunite and it like goes to white for a second. Um, I, and when she's disappearing on the stage, it reminded me of Dennis Hopper, like disappearing in uh, blue velvet. Like it's such a cool movie with the context of the rest of his career in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch it first actually. I think that that's cool. I don't know where it stood on my timeline of watching Lynch movies, but it was definitely earlier on before I'd seen, it was certainly before I'd seen Twin Peaks. Um, I'm sure at that point I'd seen like Blue Velvet and maybe Wild at Heart, but like now after seeing everything that he's done essentially and going back to that, I was like, oh, I get you. (laughs) I get where you came from. Like, and I think it's really cool that, and we were talking about this earlier where he has, you know, like the same people that he uses in terms of cast and crew all the time, but he also has this style. Like it's undeniable. Like there's a Lynch, like it's called the Lynchian style, right? Like right. there is just a certain motif that he has created over time that is undeniably his. Um, and it all, for lack of a better word, birthed from this movie. So now after seeing it, like what, how, how would you describe the movie to somebody in like three to four sentences, if you could, like, Hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> that, that was my main note. Um, what the fuck? I mean, it's, I would, that's not necessarily how I describe it, but that's, that was my main note for sure. I th- yeah, I, I would describe it as like a serious, um, um, exercise in experimental and surrealist filmmaking um and it's uh pushed to the nth degree but it, i mean it was cool but i mean like I, more like a like a synopsis so i'll i'll, I'll start it off netflix like the, the the blurb on netflix is a factory worker dwells in an industrial wasteland alongside grotesque characters and bizarre creatures including his own child that might have been the description that I read online or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty accurate. If the, I mean, it, as much as there is a plot, that's it. Um, you know? Yeah. I, I think the synopsis is, I think that's actually very concise. I think it's something like David Lynch autobiographically experiments with his fears of fatherhood and also his fears of filmmaking. Hmm. Like, it's so clearly autobiographical. I'm curious, like, where was he in his life? Like, was he a father at that point? He was. And so a lot of people um, have speculated that this is his reaction um, to his fear of fatherhood since his daughter, Jennifer, who is in the film briefly, was born severely club-footed. And so this Uh. is kind of his thesis about that part of his life, which totally makes sense when you look at it. Right. I did not know that, but it, it, that is like palpable, like in the film itself. Like, uh, I, I'm, I don't find it like that unstructured. I thought it was going to be like way, way, 
like I feel like it's as structured as like Blue Velvet or like his other movies. Like they all have like they start with sort of a clear uh, conflict and then they just like go so far down the rabbit hole that like there's not like a clear conclusion to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that this film is that different than all of the other films of his I've seen, except for a straight story. But, I've never uh, seen Straight Story. That's the only Lynch I haven't seen. It's great, but it's, yeah. it's not like any of his other movies. Hmm. It's a very linear, non-experimental uh, character study. I feel like this movie, too, is also uh, like heavily referenced, as is Twin Peaks for in terms of like Lynch films. Um, but I... Don't know if either of you guys have ever watched Gilmore Girls, but there's an episode where like the town kind of like goofball named Kirk makes his own experimental film. And it's basically like it's in black and white and it's like him coming to meet his girlfriend's parents for dinner. Oh, um, and it's really funny. Um, <laughs> but I also found a huge this time watching it because I'd just seen Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yes. And it's so similar to that movie. Like, holy shit, I didn't even think of that, but yes. Like, sitting down with the parents, like, the, the wife and, or the mother and the sister, or, fuck, the mother <laughs> and the daughter leave to go have a conversation, and he's stuck there with the father who's, like, intensely staring at him, and, like, I wonder if there is, there, I haven't looked into this at all, because I just thought about it, you know, an hour ago, but... <laughs> if that was in like Kaufman's interest to like actually be that referential to the film. Yeah. I mean, I think like we were, like we were saying before, so many, you know, even in film school, I think there's an attraction towards that kind of like very um, abstract style of, of experimental film making. Um, And I think, yeah, it's quite attractive to a lot of people. Um, So I think it's, yeah, you know, I think it probably influenced tons of people tons of directors both mainstream and you know people who release their movies on youtube <laughs> right i mean i'm in the i'm in the camp of you john like i don't really like this movie that much like i'm i i understand its importance mm. especially in the history of lynch but also in the history of experimental filmmaking in america um but I also know that this genre of film is not my go-to genre of film. And I do think that he pulls this off. Like this is a good movie within that genre. It's just a genre that I don't personally like. Mm. Whereas like you see a lot of people try experimental filmmaking and you're like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't watch this. Like it's too much. I think that's a great sort of truth is like, I, I think a lot of people, like you said, John, like, I think a lot of people that are kind of uh, green and and are kind of trying things out are attracted to experimental, um, untraditional cinema because it's like I don't really know how to do proper cinema, quote or like traditional cinema. But yeah, I, I mean, can... I think it can be a crutch, right, to a degree, but it's also out to like it's. I don't think that's fair to apply that to Lynch, you know. Sorry, not to cut you off, but I think like you know, not that I, I think that there's a a, a line between the people that kind of use surrealism as like, um, as yeah, like a, as something to, to compensate for their lack of understanding of structure or their, you know, and then there's someone like David Lynch who can use serious self-expression. And I think like, it, you know, it, I have a hard time 
um, understanding or like, like you, we, you know, and this has always been the case, like we'll see a film and then we'll come out and you'll be like, you know, it's crazy how it reflects his fears of fatherhood. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was about what? You know, like, I just, I, I think, you know, and this goes back to being a me problem. Like, I think it's just, I don't have that ability to um, analyze it that way. Like, you know, I, I look at it just so literally and I'm like, what is this about? So it's about that he birthed this baby that is, an alien, you know, and it's like, I can surrender myself a bit to the, you know, um, surrealist, absurdist aspect of it, but yeah, it's to a degree. <laughs> it's to a limit. That's totally fair. Um, the mom was crazy. The mom character um, at dinner, um, <laughs> when she was like having her, I mean, it's just a, yeah, it was the whole, that whole, um scene was quite it, like it was quite uncomfortable um yeah. one of the more uncomfortable scenes of the movie um when the mom tried to kiss him that was quite strange yeah i was didn't know if she was biting him or kissing him but i think it was kissing kind of hot mostly <laughs> terrifying but i definitely was slightly aroused by it um she also had there was like a you know i'll have what she's having i, I needed like rob reiner's mom to have when she's having her her episode at the dinner table <laughs> um, it was like what is going on and I guess like that's is that when it's a comedy I remembered halfway through that it was supposed to be a comedy and I was like where's the jokes where's the comedy in this because it I just didn't find a lot of comedy in it unless I was laughing at it and not with it I mean I think it's it's it, it has been labeled by many people as a comedy but i would say it's like an absurdist comedy right as opposed to like, went, like is the, yeah i mean is calling it a re, uh, comedy a reaction to not knowing how to handle it or is it like not saying that you know that that's your understanding of it but um that would be like you know i didn't there was no comedic elements necessarily to it that i found unless you were willing to just laugh at how absurd it was like you said like just the absurdist comedy aspect right. of it I mean, I remember in Charles Wilkins directing class, mm. one of the questions on one of his tests, this is when we were in film school, um, was how do you know a film is a comedy? And the answer was, if somebody laughs. <laughs> now that's the kind of literal, <laughs> the kind of literal answers and questions that I need. <laughs> but that is how you know. It's true. Yeah. I mean, do you really laugh out loud though? It's one of those things where it's like, I'll watch a lot of things that are funny, but I won't always laugh out loud. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a technicality to make it a comedy, but there are certain things that I think are really funny, but it's more of just like, I don't know, a relatable, like you can relate to it on a personal level and it's less of like a an outward laugh, if well, that makes sense. Totally, it totally does. And, but I think like the the entire genre of comedy is incredibly like aloof because there's so mm. many different sects of that like it's just like being like this is comedy it's the same thing as being like this is a movie like yeah it, it can be so many different things right um you can even laugh in movies that make you uncomfortable that happens all the time too right like yeah. that doesn't certainly mean it's a comedy but i always smile in really horrible situations it's my natural reaction it's I hate it, but like when I, I whenever I receive horrible news or I have to share horrible news, I can't help but smile. It's like that's true. It's a I've, horrible I've, thing. I've I've experienced this with you before. 
Yeah, yeah, I know people think I'm kidding, um, and it makes makes it all the more uncomfortable. But I think it's just like it's a it's a response to not knowing how to handle the severity of the situation. Right. Um, I it was very cute. You sent us a picture of your cat watching um, Gus watching the movie. I will Dude. say that Todd really was also glued to the TV and and did not like it. He left partway through, but he was quite uncomfortable with the baby crying. Um, she's never taken a liking to watching movies ever. I, I have a newfound theory that it has something to do with black and white. Mm, and right. maybe because like, that's how it, most animals see the world anyways, that she was able to comprehend it more than something in color. Mm. I'm not a fucking scientist. I don't know. But she <laughs> yeah. was like, she could not take her eyes off the television. And I was like, I was getting weirded out by it because it felt Lynchian in itself to be like, why is my cat watching TV? Like, um, I will say the baby, I did not, I mean, obviously, like, I don't think you're supposed to like it, but I became attached to it and I did not like to see the baby suffering. Like it was, that part was quite hard. Like it, it was, I didn't expect to be as bummed out by it as I did, you know, like I knew that it was going to be kind of weird, um, but I would, there, it also affected me. Like it was, um, it was quite hard like difficult watching some of those scenes as the baby is like struggling to breathe and as it gets progressively more sick um yeah it was it was definitely like some challenging some challenging scenes for sure well i think part of i agree with you and i think part of that is because it was the sound effects of an actual baby okay i was gonna ask like it was so like and i think that's why my dog was so uncomfortable with it because it was just like a baby in distress yeah for 45 minutes and he was like i can't handle this you're not reacting well enough and so yeah regardless what it looks like in front of you when you hear like a baby crying in that kind of like tone and register it's like gargling for breath it's like (laughs) man it was tough stuff the sound design in the entire film is freaking amazing i was blown away i thought that was incredible yeah, I mean, totally. and that, all done by Lynch. I was going to say, did I read those credits right? Like, he edited yeah. and did the sound? Yeah, and that was a uh, large part. I mean, it always is. Post always takes a large chunk out of the, like, filming process or creation process. But right. that was a large part of it because, like, it's clear that Lynch is a fucking perfectionist. Yeah. Um, and with the sound, like, to me, that rings, like, very true because it's it's something you don't see in a lot of his movies anymore. And it was like very much a story or like a, yeah, a storyteller aspect of the film. Hugely. Yeah. Especially like, I can't imagine watching the movie and the images are amazing, but like, I feel like half of the images came from what he chose to lay under them and how like not uh, simpatico it was like how often there was a sort of clash going on between Mm -hmm. the two. There was like a very beautiful use of um, like speaking of the images, like I agree the sound was definitely, I think the strongest aspect of it, but there was, um, you know, the black and white um, and similar to how we were talking about with Clockwork Orange, like the use of shadows, um, you know, in some of those scenes, like it was so effective, um, you know, as he's walking through the, the town or as he's sitting in the apartment and kind of like, you know, how it's, it's a selective choice. I feel like it has to be, um, you know, between whoever the DOP was and uh, and Lynch, just, you know, and what they show you and what's supposed to be seen. Like, there was things that I was squinting to see, and I think it, you're almost supposed to be squinting, to, you know, you're supposed to be struggling to 
to comprehend what you're seeing to a, to a degree. And there was, you know, um, speaking of similarities, I did think there were several aspects that reminded me of, of the film we've discussed previously, Clockwork Orange. Why do you think this is Kubrick's favorite movie? If you had to, like, wager a guess. I don't know, man. I really couldn't tell you. As someone who didn't enjoy it that much, I'm not, I would have a hard time. I'd like to ask him. I'd have a few questions for him, that being one of them. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I would love to know why. I think, you know, just, and it, and it maybe goes back to the similarities, but was this made before or after Clockwork Orange? After. After, okay. Yeah. So it's not, it wasn't. But was, but was, but was still, it was made during like, the Kubrick time of making right so they were somewhat contemporaries mm -hmm. okay yeah I think I think like Kubrick gets a lot of credit for writing and like restructuring novels but I think he wasn't actually that interested in plot mm -hmm. um and I think he was really like interested in how a movie is different than a book or a play and sort of the language of of uh like eliciting an emotion with specific sound and specific imagery and I feel like Eraserhead is like that experiment um quite literalized like it's it's got enough of a plot to get you to enter the story and then from that point on it's pretty much you're just and by the end you're like looking at eraser dust like and it had it looks like snow and it is eliciting like all these different like synthetic feelings and and none of it makes any fucking sense so i sound like an idiot trying to talk about it but like it seems to no 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 but that's the, that's totally the movie agree. yeah like you're you're nailing it it reminded me so much of 2001 especially the mm. opening for some reason i don't know if it was the music and the like planet thing i i don't know <laughs> and just like the like slow zoom into reality from like yeah. a, another place like absolutely i completely agree with that too um, who is the planet man that's, that's jack fisk, jack fisk. Isn't it? That's Jack Fisk. That's Jack. Yeah. What, what what is that? <laughs> oh, like who is he as a character? How does it relate? I loved it. I was just like, what the fuck? I mean, that's a great question. I'm sure that like 18 fucking film nerds and masters programs have probably made theses <laughs> about this. We've solved question. it. <laughs> I I think that it's like it kind of reminds me of like, okay. Bear with me for a second, but like in program, you learn about like your higher power and like it is some, it's not necessarily God, but it's a person or not a person, an entity controlling your life. And a lot of time in program, people ask like, what does your higher power look like? And like, who, who is this person that you imagine um, that, you know, you're relinquishing control to. And I think that that that's how I kind of interpret it is that like this person, although he has like the like cranks and the buttons and like he is literally controlling things. Like yeah. is he like a godlike figure? I would say it's like a person watching over Henry's character and right, it's reimagined the... in this way. Like that it's like he's actually like working in a factory much like Henry is, like an industrial worker mm. working to like help him figure out his fucking life. Take it or leave it. I dig that. Because, yeah, right from the beginning, you get this vibe that he's looking through that window, like, down at Henry. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's really cool. 
I mean, like, it's so hard to have, like, follow-up questions to this. Like, this is a tough one. I'm glad we're doing it, but, like, it's, we can't talk about, like, you know, there's not, like, huge celebrities in this movie, and, like, it's, like, there's <laughs> not, like, scene. oh, yeah, exactly. Like, what, like, what made you laugh or cry? I did, I did, I mean, that said, I did really love the woman with the, with the cheeks, like, when she was singing the song, um, um, what, was something about heaven. I'm in heaven. Hey, yeah, it was Heather, everything is fine. Yeah. Well, really and what like something that. in in terms of, of of her character that I'd like to bring up to back to backtrack to the whole Kubrick influence thing is that she reminds me so much of one of the twin girls in The Shining. Mm. And The Shining came out three years after this movie, mm. and I wonder if that was an influence because, like, the dress, just like the ethereal look. They don't sing in The Shining, but just like that sort of. You don't remember that, that singing scene in The Shining? <laughs> when She's they break trying. out into song. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of uh, Shining vibes. Like now that I think about like the carpet and the like big kind of empty spaces and sort of the phantom people that aren't treated differently because i guess she could be a phantom or like a ghost or something um she glows and stuff like and even the ending like when they're in it looks seems like they're in heaven or something when it's like all white and like overexposed do you think that that person exists in the reality of henry spencer or do you think it's like a uh like almost like a reincarnation of like his mother or his sister who died or like something like that that he keeps going back to like what mm. are your thoughts on that john <laughs> i don't sorry i i don't know that's a good question i hadn't considered that at all like i think i thought that i mean what's i didn't after a certain point i stopped asking myself what is real or based in reality or exists in his world in the movie and just kind of, like I said, surrendered myself to it and was like, okay, now we're hanging out with her again. We're singing the song. I enjoy the song. <laughs> now we're, you know, now we're, now his head's coming off. The kid's got the head. We're doing the brains. Okay. That's a racer head. I did enjoy that part. That was cool. Um, it was brief. It was like, okay, is, are we going to get into more of this? No, just this one little dream sequence where his brains get turned to erasers. Cool. But yeah, so I, I didn't like, I, there was no point where I was like, hmm, I wonder like, if there's any of this in his imagination, it was just, it was all just, it was all just fucked. And you just had to, you just had to get on board. I love that eraser factory sequence. Yeah. yeah. With the pencils. Yeah. That's my, I would say if I had to like a standout scene would be that one for me. I love it. And the, the businessman and the kid just like grabbing the head and like running off and mm. yeah, the whole thing of it. I was like, ah, finally this, this film's starting to make sense. He, I mean, he was a very interesting character. Like um, I did, I did enjoy the character of Henry um, Jack. Sorry. What was his name? Jack. Jack Nance. Jack Nance. Jack Nance does have a, a great, like a very expressive face and it works for a film with such little dialogue um, where yeah, it is he so also heavily just, he also has a great voice for the like very little times that you do hear him speak. It's like a very iconic voice. It's perfect. Totally. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's not like um, a character, you know, unlike again, to go back to the other, um, you know, film we've discussed, it's not like a, that character of Alex was such kind of a unique and groundbreaking character, at least in terms of what I've seen 
Um, and I think probably what a lot of people had seen in cinema, whereas Henry, I mean, the world that he's surrounded in and his experiences are all very surreal and they in themselves are very unique, but the character of Henry, I think that his reactions to it are very relatable and kind of grounded in reality and arguably the most grounded in reality part of, of the film. So I think it was interesting to have that kind of, to see it through, I, it would be interesting, you know, the character of Henry was this kind of, like, you know, a different character than he is, where who is kind of just this this everyman. Um, it would be interesting to see if it, the film would have worked as well if he wasn't so relatable. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I feel like his face like does a lot of the work of the entire film. It's like he's so great, and he just kind of carries the movie on his shoulders. His reactions to everything. He's a. I mean, he's a great actor. I. I almost feel like it must have been a calculated choice that he didn't do more. Like he didn't want to be a high profile actor. If that, if maybe he's one of my favorite characters in Twin Peaks by far, because yeah. he's like the most relatable. He's so fucking sweet. Um, his storyline gets a little wonky, but who's doesn't? Who's doesn't? That show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but he is really totally cool. <laughs> and he and he is just in like a lot of really cool b movies like i think he i feel like he b liked, movie with jerry seinfeld no not the b movie. Yeah, like jazz oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> but like he just he worked on a lot of movies like his filmography is quite fast but he wasn't interested in being in like exceptional movies like he just liked being on set he liked being an actor and he was just like down for whatever and like made movies with friends, which I think is like a really amazing thing about him. For sure. And he's obviously like a muse of, of Lynch's in a way, like just the way he's used him. Um, thanks, yeah. David. Yeah. Hey, it was David Lynch's 75th birthday the other day. HPD to Dr. David Lynch. Um, <laughs> you call him David Lynch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, Love him. Love the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Correct. This is fun. All right. Okay, um, well, I love you guys. Just remember that uh, in heaven, everything is fine. Bye. Bye.